Now we're getting to the bottom of everything. It's time for Mother Angelica. I mean, that's awesome. Answering the call. Answering the call. This world is no place for Catholic chickens. Answering the call. You call that a failure? I call it a great success. Here's Father Joseph and Doug Keck. It's time once again for Mother Angelica Answering the Call. It's the weekly radio program that highlights Mother's spiritual insights and compassion when dealing with questions that troubled her callers. Back to her live show in the 80s and 90s, I'm Doug Keck, joined as always by our co-host, EWTN Chaplain, Father Joseph Mary Wolf. Great to be with you once again, Father. And it will be good to hear from Mother also her understanding and insights on two important dogmas for our faith, the Immaculate Conception and Transubstantiation. Absolutely. We'll also talk about hanging on to Jesus and we don't change without pain. What's that pruning Mm -hmm. uh, concept again we had on last week's program? Let's talk about, first up, the Immaculate Conception. Uh, The person calls up about it. And it kind of reminds me because the caller says, who's... Who's Immaculate Conception? And I remember when mm-hmm. Bernadette came right. and said uh, about the lady saying, I'm the Immaculate Conception. I said, well, how can that be? What does mm-hmm. that even mean? Right. And a lot of people misunderstand it as this caller brings out. They mm-hmm. think of this as the conception of Jesus just before the birthday of, or the birthday of Jesus. But no, it's the Immaculate Conception of Our Lady in the womb of Anne, her mother. And... Uh, The dogma is a teaching, as Mother brings out here, that how could our Lord inhabit a dwelling that had been tainted by sin? And so it's really something that was a gift given to Our Lady for our Lord's sake. Right. I think one of the great things, I I think, in doing Father Spitzer's show, dealing with faith and reason, is this understanding that God is outside of time. Mm -hmm. So as as our Lord said about this past couple of weeks about the idea of the God. He's the God of the living because mm-hmm. everything yeah. is now to God. Mm-hmm. And so the idea that Our Lady would be prevented right. from having it is understandable if you realize that God works outside of time. And she speaks of God as her Savior, but she was saved in a unique way, a unique privilege for the sake of her son that she would conceive and carry in her womb. So one can be saved, as we've talked before, about falling into a pit and being pulled out of that pit. But one can be saved also from being prevented from falling into that pit, as Our Lady was. Right. And one of the great insights Mother talks about is here's the feminists out there, especially (laughs) at the time. And here's Our Lady, who who Mm. is the great humanity's boast. You know, you've got the the greatest person in the world in a sense Mm -hmm. of a, a human being like that. And it's Our Lady. Our human nature's solitary boast, as the poet said. And that's Our Lady. So that's one that uh, all women should look up to. And that's why she is the Immaculate Conception. I got a call. Hello? Where are you from? I'm calling from Laplace, Louisiana. Wonderful. What's your question? My question is, there's a lot of misunderstanding of what they we are celebrating tomorrow. Mm. Who's Immaculate Conception? Right. People think that it's the immaculate conception of Jesus to Mary. That's incarnation. That's right. Okay. And we are trying to tell them that it is the conception of Jesus, I mean, um, excuse me, of Mary to Anne and Joachim. Right. Which is the Feast of the Annunciation in March. That's right. Well, that's what I wanted to clarify because okay. 
a lot of people under the misinformation that, that it's the Immaculate Conception of Jesus. Yeah. That would mean that he would only be in gestation for 16 or 17 days. No, no. <laughs> that, that would not be right. March 25th, we celebrate the Feast of the Incarnation. That's what I just read to you. Tomorrow, December 8th, we celebrate the wondrous gift, gift and feast of the Immaculate Conception. That means that our dear lady was conceived through Joachim and Anne without original sin. See? Now, John the Baptist was born without original sin. Jeremiah, Isaiah, born without original sin. Why? They was a special gift. When our dear lady hastened to see Elizabeth, there was a reason for that. The child conceived in her womb when she said, Fiat, be it done to me according to thy word. As soon as she saw Elizabeth, you're talking about a few hours, a few days. She said, be, who am I that the mother, mother of my Lord should come to me? And there's where John was conceived in sin, but born without sin at the presence of Jesus. Before he was five days old, Jesus began to redeem. Now, in Our Lady, Our Lady was born from Anne and Joachim. But she was conceived without sin. Everybody before that was conceived in original sin. Many of the prophets were conceived in original sin, like all of us are, except by a special privilege of God, they were born in grace. That's a mystery. But it's a very practical mystery. It just makes sense that our Lord had to prepare his mother. The father had to prepare the the tabernacle for his son that was absolutely, totally untouched by Satan or by any sin. Does that make sense? And so Our Lady, tomorrow we celebrate the feast of her conception. That's the whole name of the feast. The Immaculate Conception is the whole explanation of the feast tomorrow. And we have to praise God. You know, all you feminists, you all missed the boat. You're all going the wrong direction. If you want women, women to have some kind of great honor and glory, you already got one. Mary. Mary. I'm not anti-men, you know. I love the whole bunch of you, and I call you men. But outside of Jesus, not one of you was conceived without original sin. See? But Jesus was a man, and that's what you have to imitate. You're a man. Don't let anybody call you it or human. Don't take away your dignity. So our dear lady was conceived without sin for our Lord's sake. 
the sinless one had to enter a sinless tabernacle. So tomorrow was her immaculate conception. And moving along, we have another caller. Just hang on to Jesus. Mm. Hmm, sounds like good advice. Even hold on to a crucifix to give you a tangible um, way to ponder our Lord's passion. And as Mother says, give him a smooch. You know, kiss the cross. That there's something of his strength, his trust, his love, his patience, his perseverance that's given to us when we ponder his passion. You know, St. Leonard of Port Maurice, he was a great Franciscan preacher who set up the Stations of the Cross in over 500 locations. And he said something astounding. He said that if you ponder the sufferings of our Lord, the clouds that hang over your own life will be lifted. That something of his strength and the hope and the joy uh, will be restored to us. Right. Well, you mentioned that, and Mother talks about uh, the crucifix, and I remember Father Benedict Rochelle always saying, why a, a crucifix and not the risen mm-hmm. Christ? Because he'd say, all of us have dealt with the pain of what it's like to suffer in this world, not to yet be in the next life. And it's much more relatable and understandable to connect to our Lord as a sufferer. Exactly. That's that's what we all undergo, whether we're rich or poor, whether we are learned or unlearned, that we all undergo suffering. So the question is, how do we deal with it? And the Christian response is, we look at Jesus and we learn how to respond with love and turn it into an act of love. And we just hang on to Jesus. We have another call. Hello? Hello, Mother. Yeah. I'm calling from Jersey. Mm-hmm. Mother, I've been listening to you, and you're such an inspiration to us. And as you prayed now, I prayed with you, but I ask you, Mother, to say a little prayer for my daughter, who has such a problem in work. It's affecting her health because the girls there think she's too quiet. She doesn't cooperate. Mm -hmm. They go to management, and she's in the process of losing her job. Mother, please, just you and the beautiful people there, say a little prayer. Mm. Thank you, Mother. Let's all say a prayer, huh, for this young girl who's having a hard time. Lord Jesus, we just ask that this girl may not keep her job, and we just ask, Lord, that all these difficulties may be just burned in your sacred heart, that that heart of love and that heart of peace and joy may enter this young girl and give her that peace and joy that she needs to work and and give her peace in the office, wherever she works, Lord. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with you. Blessed art you among women. Blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and the hour of our death. Amen. You see, we have all kinds of prayers coming in now. Now, we want to say a prayer for an epileptic a disabled man who's caring for her, his wife who has multiple sclerosis. And, and we're just going to say a prayer for you now, okay? And don't get discouraged. See, that's, that's the worst. If you just, just put your trust in Jesus, just say, Jesus, I love you. And I don't understand. It's okay you don't understand. We don't have to understand. Nobody said, blessed are those who understand. 
Blessed are the poor in spirit, which I don't understand. And it's okay. But you have a big cross to carry. But you're not alone. That's the important thing, you see? You just hang on. I get a lot of comfort by just hanging on to Jesus. See, you need a crucifix. There's something about just putting your hands around him that gives you strength. And you need to do that. You need to give him a little smooch once in a while. See? That's the way Jesus is. He likes that. There's more Mother Angelica answering the call on EWTN Radio. Let's return to Mother Angelica answering the call with Father Joseph and Doug Kecht on EWTN Radio. And thank you so much for staying with us for part two of Mother Angelica Answering the Call. I'm Doug Keck with Father Joseph Mary Wolf. And this is a big one. We don't hear it that mm-hmm. often, but it's really important. Questioner about what is transubstantiation? Yes, and Mother gives a really clear um, expression or understanding of that. She talks about that, and she talks about the reality, too, of Eucharistic miracles that confirm this truth for us. And of course, we've just celebrated Blessed Carlo Acutis, right? This millennial who was a saint. And what did he want to do? He wanted to catalog the Eucharistic miracles of the world. And he did so because he saw that that was a way to bring people to faith and the reality of transubstantiation. Right. And, and Mother talks about the, the miracle that she had gone and saw where it had mm-hmm. occurred and what happened. And the idea, she talks about the fact that many people preach the gospel, many people preach the word, but the Catholic Church has within it the greatest gift mm-hmm. and your ability to go and see God face to face in your own lifetime, which is the Eucharist. That Jesus, the apostles were with him for three years, but she said, I was with him 47 at that point. And to think about that, that's the truth that Jesus remains with us all days until the end of the world. You know, our own Father Mark recently was in Poland, and he visited a recent Eucharistic miracle that took place in uh, Christmas Mass 2013, where a host had been dropped, it was placed in water, and was later tested and found to be human heart tissue under duress. And the local bishop has submitted that to the Vatican. So these things do confirm our faith, and they continue to occur. There's those little insights that our Lord gives us to keep us going. And, of course, this tells us what transubstantiation is really all about. You had another question. What was that? Yes. What is transubstantiation? Transubstantiation. Oh, it's a nice question. When we have the species of bread, the, the substance of bread and wine, Uh, and the priest has the consecration. That bread and wine, though the appearances are the same, is turned into the body and blood, soul and divinity of Jesus the Lord. It's, It's something so wonderful that it's, it's totally changed. And that's the, that's the whole essence of the Catholic faith. Many people preach the gospel and many people preach the word, 
but the Catholic Church has within it that great gift. And I can see God in my lifetime face to face. In our chapel, I have a five foot two monstrance. Biggest thing I can find. And in that monstrance is a host about this big that's been consecrated. Transubstantiation has occurred where before it was just a wafer that I could have crushed in my hand or, or eaten. But now I kneel and adore because something wonderful happened. And through, through the hands and the, the words of a priest ordained to, to say those words, I suddenly see God face to face. You see, the apostles were with Jesus three years. I said to the sisters this morning, you know, I was thinking the other day, the apostles were with Jesus three years. And, and they, they had enough courage and strength after Pentecost in those three years to die the most terrible deaths for him. Love for love, death for death, pain for pain. And I've been with him, let's see, 47 years. I have lived in the presence of God, really and truly present in the Holy Eucharist, body, blood, soul, and divinity, for 47 years. Much more than the apostles. See, it's, it's such a wonder. I went to Italy this summer, and three, four times, I think it's four times altogether, I went to Kasha. Kasha in Italy is the shrine of St. Rita. And I, I went there, and in the basement of the big basilica is a, a kind of, a, it's, it's a, a piece of a breviary. Breviary is a prayer book that precedes. And this priest had lost his faith in the real presence of Jesus. And he had to go and give communion to a sick person. And he took the host out of the tabernacle and he threw it in his breviary. Just threw it in his breviary. And he took his breviary under his arm and he went to the sick person to give him communion. But when he opened his breviary, That horse was one round piece of flesh, bleeding. And in this shrine is that host. That piece of flesh that had turned. And of course, he got his faith back. You know, the Eucharist is so maligned today. But don't ever let anyone take away from you that great gift.
And closing out our program for this week, a caller talks about we don't change without pain. Mm -hmm. And that's the problem. A lot of us say, isn't there another way, Mother? Yeah. Right. Why does you, why do you love me so much? I think St. Teresa of Calcutta said he's holding me close to you, to his heart. I was talking with someone recently who had, had gone through a lot the last few years and a whole series of levels. And I said, you know, the Lord looked at you. He looked at you with love. And he had this cross and he saw that you were capable of carrying it. And that would help you to grow and become a great saint. And so he, once again, he looked at you, he saw your courage, and he gave it to you. And I think that's what Mother's trying to communicate here, too, is that when we have the cross in our life, it's not the Lord's trying to oppress us or he hates us or anything like that, but rather he sees that we have the courage to become a saint. Right, and we're also living in, in a world full of sinners and th sinful mm. things happen and people yeah. do bad things and good people are impacted by bad people's actions. Uh, and that's what happens. We don't believe in the health and wealth gospel, which says, mm -hmm. you know, if I believe and pray the right things, everything's going to be perfect for me. Jesus was the innocent one who suffered horribly, but also loved greatly. Whether we like it or not, we don't change without pain. We have another call. Hello? Hello? Where are you from? Chicago. What is your question or whatever? All right. If God represents absolute truth and equality, then why does God seem so unfair in allowing intense pain and suffering for some and not others? Ooh. Ooh. God is never unfair. Then why do some people have to suffer? The same reasons we heard that his son had to suffer. As part of that pruning. You know, I wear braces, back brace, leg brace. This cold weather is very hard on me because it does something to those old bones. But you know what? I really feel, and I have always felt this way, that next to my vocation as a religious, which I consider a great gift from God, unearned, unmerited on my part. A pure gift from God. But next to that wonderful gift, my pain is my greatest other gift. Not because I run around enjoying pain, but it, it, it is something God has given me freely to be like him. See, there's, when my pain gets to a point where I got to grit my teeth sometime, I look at him. If the Holy One, the sinless one, had to suffer so much, how much more myself? See, I'm a poor sinner. He was sinless. And it takes pain for me to change. You know, we just don't, we don't change without pain. If, I, if I'm impatient, I want to be patient, it's painful, it's hard. There's something in me has to die. If I'm hot-tempered and I really want to be gentle, I, there's something inside of me that has to die. 
And so pain is a part of life, a consequence of original sin, that when Jesus came and suffered so much, he sanctified. He, he raised it up to a level of holiness. Holiness. For more about Mother Angelica and to listen to her shows, go to EWTN.com. See you next time on Mother Angelica, answering the call only on EWTN Radio.